I'm really excited to have an unscripted conversation with Kyle Meyer over Interwoven, which is one of those books when, um, well, I saw the work and then the book, and it was like, I have to have that. Um, some of my most favorite things are interwoven into to this book. Um, and just a couple of housekeeping um, things. We're going to leave plenty of time for questions and answers and Zoom doesn't allow a conversation. So as soon as one person speaks, that's who we're listening to. So we're gonna try, um, Deb is my co-host and going to let people in so that we can manage that. It's a little staccato sometimes, but it works. Um, the other thing is, is my studio is in an industrial building with active artisans. So if you hear loud noises, it's all okay. Um, there's a lot of squeaky floors over my head too. Um, and if you don't hear something, give a signal and I'll repeat it, but usually we're, we're good. Um, so Kyle, this is the cover. And I'm just going to give a short introduction to say that you are a multimedia artist. Um, you have a history in performance. You have an interest in sculpture. And your art practice is process-driven, which is like how I roll. So I was really excited to get an opportunity to ask you about that process and unpack it. Um, a lot of times it's helpful to hear some of your creative choices. Um, and then of course the journey of the making of the work and then the making of the book. Um, and just as a, a point of reference, you grew up in rural Ohio and uh, being gay, coming out, dealing with your identity is integral to your work. Um, so I'm gonna start, I have the whole PDF, which is, um, which is large um, and uh, beautiful. Uh, I really feel like it helps us see things like this uh, in a PDF, but there's something so sculptural and tactile about the book that it's just such a, an experience. And I think that I'd say that that's what your practice is. You're trying to explore the, the tactile potential of photography. Yeah. So um, open that up. Yeah, so, um... I mean, when I first went to Swaziland, I was just doing kind of journalism and um, I really wasn't interested in anything else other than taking photos. I, I was all the time was out photographing. I was photographing factory workers. I was photographing um, the king and queen of Swaziland. Um, I worked with several NGO organizations documenting people out in the rural area. And then I was also documenting um, the major religion, which is called Zionism. It's, um, it's Christianity, but then it goes into deep African tradition of going in trance, speaking in tongue, black magic, heavy exorcisms. And so that was like kind of where, um, I, what I was doing. But then I started working in uh, several different factories making, you know, basket, weaving baskets. Um, I, did a, I did a glass blowing factory. Um, I did uh, candle making factory. So I was working in all of these different factories and, and learning all of these different crafts using my hands. And, and when I, you know, during those first two years that I was living there, it was, I didn't have internet, I didn't have cable. So I was coming home and having been in these factories and learning all of this, these new techniques, and they would give me, you know, different kinds of stuff, 
um, it specifically the grass uh, weaving stuff. So they gave me a lot of material. And so I was just going home and starting to, to use my hands, start weaving and start, you know, making sculpture. And then when I came back, it was really, okay, all I have is this tiny apartment and, and, and photography. And so how could I, you know, start using these printed photographs and weaving them and, and making sculpture and, and, and really, you know, breaking down what photography is at this point. Um, I mean, photography is just so overrun. Uh, everyone is a photographer, I guess you could say. And it's how can I, how can the photographs that I'm making have a presence and be meaningful um, in a way that they're not, that, 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 that they're just not a photograph. And I think a lot about photography is that it's all machine-based now. Um, you have the camera, which is digital, you, then it's put into a computer to process, and then it's to put into another machine to be printed. So where is the, you know, the handmade quality that photography used to be when you were printing, you were loading the film, every, there was the hand. Um, so the hand is really lost in photography now. And that's where I'm trying to bring back that tactile and handmade quality within photographs. Um, if it's weaving, if it's dyeing, if it's, if it's just ripping it apart. And all of those are very important to me. And, and um, I mean, just ripping it means something and, or you know, putting a needle and thread through it means something. And so it's a, it's, that's where I'm kind of going with my photography. And this is you know, what I've been exploring for the last you know, seven, eight years. Um, if that answers the question. Yes, yes. Actually, you made me obviously have more questions. Yeah. So, so I have to go backwards. Um, starting with um, when you're talking about what you're doing uh, with the photograph and how ripping means something and you're trying to find the tactile, where the hand is missing has has made a lot of people go back into alt processes that we would call them or, uh, yeah. you know, tintypes or cyanotypes or go down another path so that you're actually with your hand on it. Um, and then there are more mixed medias where you're bringing in embroidery or gold leaf or yeah. some other substance. Um, but what's interesting is when we were talking about uh, the photograph having presence and meaning, um, in my class that I teach about concept aware and I ask what's photography, we get all these answers. Um, one of my definitions is, a, is it's a consequential tool. Yeah. Um, you know, it, That's strictly what it is for me. Um, photography is not the, the means to an end. It's it's just a tool. Um, it's, it, there's nothing for me more than that. It's just a tool and how you use that tool. I mean, it's like, you know, a hammer for, for someone that's doing sculpting of marble or a paintbrush or, you know, it's just, it's just this one thing that's getting me to a final product. It's nothing more than that. Yeah, and interesting, the other way that I can think about it in terms of consequential is the impact of the photograph has consequences. So in your case, it has consequences on so many levels, which we can talk about, both for the sitter, um, for the viewer, um, even what's interwoven is this issue of, uh, of gender uh, roles or norms by yeah. the gay men having women 
head wraps on, uh, which is an art for the women. But let me just jump back to a question about why Swaziland? What happened so, there? Yeah, so um, I went to undergrad at City College of New York and I was nominated. Sorry, they're mowing the lawn right now. So if it's if it's too loud, I'll try and move to another. Is it is it okay? It's fine. Okay. I, I'm good. I'm okay. Good. Um, so I graduated and I, I got nominated by the Brandeis University to to write a, a thesis on where I, I just had to leave the United States for three months. Um, and so my main thing was, so I started writing this grant and I started doing, you know, research about the highest prevalence of HIV in the world. Um, just being a gay man and, and growing up in Ohio, it was this when I came out to my family and when I, you know, it was automatically, oh, you're going to get AIDS and you're going to die. Um, this was, you know, when I was 18, so, or 16, so this is almost 20 years ago. So there's a lot of, you know, the, the thought process has come a long way. Um, but, you know, when I was playing this, I started doing, um, I was starting to research, uh, you know, the highest place in the world and it was uh, Eswatini. Um, and so my main thing was to understand why this specific place and and so I, I started writing about the religion within the grant and I had got a job in, in this candle factory and I was thinking maybe it was a, you know, a promiscuity in factory workers. Um, mm -hmm. And so I got the grant and started working in the, in the first factory. Um, and that's kind of, you know, was the beginning of, uh, of everything. Cause I was, you know, my whole entire life was just going and experiencing as much as possible. And it was really, it, the first two months were really difficult because it was going from, you know, living in New York City and, and, um, and then going directly into a developing nation that is, you know, it, it has the highest prevalence of HIV. So hearing these stories of, of, of how many people were dying and, and kids taking over the, you know, 14 year old kids taking over the, you know, the household, um, very heartbreaking, like, very very heartbreaking stories constantly and so it it just kind of fueled like i wanted to know more i wanted to know more i wanted to know more and um, the like the major kind of turning point was when i was in this weaving factory and the women i was like you know can i take your photo and they were like no but you can come and you can sit and learn our craft and then you know we'll think about it and that was really beautiful because it was it was a really intense, you know, training and being able to hear um, these stories that they, you know, would not have told if I wasn't sitting there with them. Um, and, and they became my family. I mean, these factory, a lot of these women were, uh, became like my mothers. They, you know, I would go check on them, uh, making sure that they had anything they wanted uh, or needed and, um, and that so that was kind of like about a year, a year and a half of of learning from from them, and um, yeah. So that's kind of how I got like got there. I, I got a grant and and just wow. uh, started doing. A, it was more of an anthropology than um, than anything else. It was trying to understand as much as possible at all times, and and the only way to do that is being out in the field and talking to people and and just you know just have just being for them just being listened to is is you know the most important thing um they don't you know they don't have an opportunity to be heard by people um which is really kind of fucked up sorry my language but 
Um, but it's, a, you know, it's run by a king, so they don't really have much choice um, in speaking out and, and being heard. So um, I, I just wanted to be there to listen and, and understand. Are you referring right there to both men and women or specifically to the LGBTQ population? Um, well, women have really no rights within the country. Um, I, I, it's written into the, uh, into the constitution that, you know, a, a, a goat has more rights than a woman, um, mm -hmm. which is insane. Um, mm -hmm. And then the LGBT community is just, it's completely ostracized that, you know, again, it's, it's written into the, into the constitution that it's you know illegal and um so it's not that they're rounding them up and putting them into jail but like it gives you know this hyper masculine male community the ability to do whatever they want um you know one of my friends was axed in the middle of the street um and that killer was never you know brought to trial um and um there were no consequences and and then the other thing with the LGBT community, it's, you know, getting a job, getting, getting proper health care, getting um, just doing everyday, you know, everyday um, tasks is, 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 is not easy for these people because they're, you know, they're looked down upon. Um, you know, I can share multiple stories on, on, on how people are affected. It's, it's, um, it's, 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 it, for me, it's trying and it's very emotional and um, because these are my friends. Um, not everyone is my friend, but, but um, mm -hmm. they're friends of friends. And, and then some of them are people that I've just been working with. Um, so I'm, I'm gonna just- Sorry if I'm rambling. You're not rambling. Uh, this is exactly what happens. And my, my, my mind is like, woo, like I've got to bring them all in because you bring up questions, but you also bring up things that I want to reflect because of your, um, your process orientation. The yeah. fact that you, well, first of all, you jumped into the fire, like, okay, let's find the most extreme case of something I'm really concerned and want to learn about and, you know, no middle ground there. So, wow. Yeah. That's intense. Never. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, that's a creative choice and maybe personality. But yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing is that um, the idea that you were not attached to your idea, that you were open to an exploration that led you into it. I mean, you have to have the open hand and then these things happen, right? You've got work in a candle factory, but you're really taken with the weaving like who knew that these women and that craft was going to be open to you and then yeah. then stepping through that door you build community yeah. and frankly i think the things to take out of it in terms of concept development are this idea of not holding on to your idea but leaving room for the process yeah. to speak to you like be in conversation with it um that's yeah. That's so key. Yeah, that's how, I mean, and that was what Swaziland kind of taught me in, in you know, moving forward with my own practice was that um, it, it, it was, there, it, there was no similar day. It was, you know, if someone, you know, texted me and said, let's go do this, or, you know, I have these people that you should meet. It was never like I woke up and was like, okay, well, I have to go do this and I have to do that. 
it's like over the course of those first months, it's like, okay, to get deeper, I have to be as open as possible and never, and never close off to something. Yes. Yeah, some, some, some things that I did was like, Oh, why'd I do that? That was kind of, you know, it, it didn't really do anything for me, but mm-hmm. you never, like, it's these, it's always these kind of serendipitous moments where, you know, you just push yourself and, and, and look for, for things that are, you know, would never arise. It's like, when I, when I went there, it was like, no, I'm like, I'm not going to learn how to weave. And it, I just fell in love with it. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it was you also, uh, Oh, sorry. You right. also, um, I think lead with curiosity. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what your community felt. Uh, yeah. it sounds like, you know, you were empathic in a way mm-hmm. that, uh, that led the process. Wow. Yeah, completely. I mean, it's, it's, um, you have to be, you know, in doing something like this and, um, especially being an American, you can like, you you have to push all those things to the door, uh, you know, those, you know, kind of national identity and, and just be human. Um, that's, you know, it's, it's so important. Well, I think you must have learned beyond anything you ever imagined by putting yourself in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, completely. And I think um, we're coming up to some of the smaller images and maybe you can tell us that transition when you did get back to New York and then you have to bring this very expansive experience and work into another place in your process. I think you started with some self-portraiture. Yeah, so, um, well, the first thing was the head wrap. That's kind of an important thing. So I learned how to do that in the factory as well. Uh, one of the women's, women in the factory would always come in with these crazy, crazy designs and, and I'd always be like, girl, you need to teach me. And she was like, oh, why do you wanna, like, why do you wanna learn this? This is for women, this is not, um, you know, you know, for men, but, um, beautiful. So, so yeah, so I was just like, please teach me. So, um, and then I started meeting other people that could do it. So that I was taught and, uh, by several women and, um, and then it was just taking, you know, what they taught me and going home and, and, you know, why I would, had nothing else to do was just to make head wraps. Um, so I could really perfect it. And um, so that was a huge part of, you know, when I was there. So taking the fabric and, and testing out new things. Um, and so I started photographing myself, which has a lot of complicated issues of doing that. Um, and so when I came back, I was doing that and I started weaving the fabric through, through the photographs. And, um, and then I showed it to someone and they were like, this is so so bad like there's just so many issues and in like I, at that moment I was like oh my god what am I doing and at that moment I said um I need to go back and start photographing my friends um and and specifically the LGBT community and that was in 2000 when did I start doing that 2014 or 2015 was um when I first started um photographing my friends. And there was a lot of complicated issues with, with that because of, you know, a lot of these men um, were really afraid. They were like, okay, so I'm being photographed and, and 
you know, like this. And so I was like, well, you know, I'm going to weave these and, you know, this is just for my own personal thing. Because at this point, like I was a nobody, no one knew who I was. I had not even gone to grad school. It was just like for my own personal um, want. There was never, I, there was never an end goal. Um, so I photographed them and came back and then there was, so there was, there was about six different iterations before what you're finally seeing now. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it, it, it was a whole process. It took, it took several years to, to nail down exactly how I wanted to do it, to be able to disguise the, the, um, the identity as much as possible. And then also going into deeper about being hidden behind society and culture um, so there was just, it was just experimenting for a good three years on how to, these need to be woven. Wow. So yeah, experimenting is so key. And then you got that feedback, I guess, in terms of you being in the picture, yeah. I can imagine the, the cultural and other issues going on there. Yeah, what it, was, it was not, a, it's not good. And I, and I, um, you know, if I wouldn't have done it, I wouldn't be probably to this point that I am right. now. So there, but that, that work will not, it's, it's now locked in a flat pile and never come out to see the light yeah. of day. But that's such an important part of the process, right? Like not every turn is, well, first of all, it's not the final turn and some of it's going to push you up against a wall that, or a mirror, let's say, yeah. and show you like, no, and why? And then that informs the next step that you take. Yeah, um, it, it was a really, that, that talking to that person was a breakthrough moment and just, and, and also just uh, understanding cultural appropriation and whiteness and racism and uh, colonialism. It was a really... It was a wake-up call um, mm -hmm. for for myself that I needed just as a person. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm glad that it happened. But it's also I, I, you know, it was very wrong of me to do at the same time. Well, I mean, it was your process. But what could you give us the um, sense of between the larger pieces and these smaller, like which came first, or what's that relationship? So, so the first works were are these pieces, um, and so um, I can just talk about like my practice and how I'm photographing. Sure. Yeah. So, um, so every time I go, I take about thirty pieces of fabric, and I'm buying all the fabric in Swaziland. I have four dealers that. Um, that I work with um, and they're bringing fabrics from, there's one that, that brings them from Northern Africa. There's a lot of stuff that's coming from Mozambique. It depends on what I'm really looking for. Um, but I have like four different dealers that are always, when I show up, they're like, oh, I have this piece for you. I have this piece for you. This is exactly, um, so they're kind of helping me curate what, what fabrics I'm buying. Mm -hmm. um, so when I, then I go to a shoot and usually each shoot is about 10 people. Um, it depends on the area. So I photographed throughout the entire Swaziland, north, south, east, west, uh, in the middle of the mountains, you know, in the city center, ev everywhere. I really wanted that cross gamut of, of all, everyone that lives in Swaziland and not just the people that are living in the cities. Um, so I take, you know, 30 pieces of fabric and then they choose whatever fabric they want. Um, so really giving them a choice of color and pattern and, um, and then sitting down with them um, and talking about how they want to look and kind of getting an, a, you know, an idea of their personality. And I have like pictures of, of what kind of stuff I can do. And so they choose, they're like, oh, I want this to look like this. And, 
And so I just go with that as like kind of the basis. And then once the fabric goes on, it, the fabric ultimately can do whatever it wants, if it's soft or if it's really stiff. Uh, but usually I try to get it as close to what they want. Um, so then I photograph them. Most of it is done outside on a, on just a wall with a, a bounce. Um, so I want all natural light. I didn't want a huge studio setup. I can do that, but it's like, it's already, most of these men have never been photographed with a high powered mm. camera. Um, mm -hmm. so just that act of seeing, you know, being seen and, and seeing themselves, um, is a huge thing. Um, and so I usually only take about, uh, 20 photographs of each person. I really want it to be as little as possible um, and be really uh, working with them. You know, I, I just kind of let them do whatever they want. It's always, but there's a thing in Swazi or Swazi culture that they don't really want to look into the camera. So I always have to be like, look here, look here, look here, look into the lens. Um, and then it's little bits of like, okay, pump your shoulder a little bit, you know, turn, turn the head just a little bit, just, just to, you know, make them look as flattering as possible. But I don't want to dictate too much because um, I want it to be about them. Um, and then some guys are just like, look at me. <laughs> Uh, which is great. It's, 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 it's really, it's really fun. Internal voguing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know, so I photograph them. Um, and then, and then once that's done, I print the photo, I bring everything back here, photograph everything, and then it's woven. So it, so this is a woven work. Um, and all the patterns within the, the woven work are, based around 1960s and 1970s optical art. Um, so Vasarelli and, and Bridget Riley, I really wanted to bring that, you know, other com complicated um, pattern within this, but everything is very square. Um, so it's like they're almost hidden behind this kind of jail-like cell. Um, I wanted this one, 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 one pattern within all of these. Um, so yeah, that that's um, that's kind of a little bit of of wow. how they're made. But the the woven works were all started first, and then the Polaroids are a whole other. Okay, so just let's stick with the woven for a minute and um, go back because there was a couple of things. Um, how did you spread the word? Did that go from person to person? Did you use another? means of saying because it's a very brave it's illegal to be gay yeah. uh, so um so, so the first ones were my friends that i knew and you know uh partied with and and um they were close friends there were five of them that started it and they're now at the forefront of of fighting for the lgbt community they they run several there's you have e-minorities which is fighting the constitution. You have Health Plus for Men, which is getting out resources um, in the rural areas, um, mental health, um, medication, um, kind of whatever they need. Um, and then you have Rock of Hope, which is kind of like the social, like social aspect to, um, you know, creating events for like rainbow parties. Mm -hmm. um, so they so I knew people at all of those organizations and they were my first people and then that turned into the next time I went I was like okay I'm looking for more and those people would be like here's this person this person this person and it just kind of snowballed from there mm -hmm. um, and then the very last time that I was there in 2018 um, 
I was working with all of the organizations. And so they would set up full shoots for me. So they would, you know, have, you know, 15 people, 10, 15 people at, an, at any given place. And I would drive in, do a whole day shoot. And that's kind of um, the, the very, like kind of the last 50 people were like, were like that. So how many in total then? Do There's you 100, 185 in total. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm not shooting anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, um, I'm the, the project is, you know, over mm-hmm. to an extent mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I could continue to do it, but I don't want to, I don't want this to, there's so many other, you know, issues that I want to start talking about and start mm-hmm. exploring and, um, and you know, it's, but, but it's like, I'll continuously help whatever I need to do with the, you know, with the community. Um, so, so um, a couple of things. Um, just to reiterate, yep. you ask this person to pick one of the fabrics. They pick that red with a pattern. Yep. Then you play or offer different options for how the headscarf is tied. Yep. And then you photograph them. Yes. Then you have your print, which you rip. And you have the fabric of the headscarf, which you rip. Mm-hmm. And then you go into a traditional pattern of, what is it, weft and weave? Yeah. Um, And this idea that you um, wanted to do a one-to-one pattern, I think is, Mm -hmm. or uh, equation is really interesting, right? Because you're giving equal weight to almost history, to craft, to beauty, um, and the tech, textiles and then in their um, photograph you're interweaving their beauty their identity the present Um, so what I struggled with and I looked at this a lot and I know that you were inspired um, by Bridget Riley and that optical Mm -hmm. illusion sense but it's as if you layered another entity like it's like you were doing this with the two core pieces of material, but then yeah. you were making this pattern too. So yeah. I don't understand at all how you did that. Like I would go back and forth between these and, and when you get the book, which is like incredible and beautiful, you get a piece of fabric, which I loved. Leave it to radius. That's their kind of touch, right? That there's something that you can feel. So I'm like, okay, how did you do that? Like there's this circular pattern right at the bottom of this. Yeah, well, a lot of a lot of how it's cut and a lot of the patterns, again, I was inspired by, you know, this pop op- optical art. Um, mm-hmm. But that that's just just inspiration. Um, so in that fabric, there the, some of the some of them are kind of the it's kind of hard to explain, um, but I'm like looking yeah, at the fabric. Um, I'm really looking at the fabric, and if it has a circular shape within the fabric, I want to, you know, tie that in. Or if it's like more of a square, um, I'm working with how the fabric uh, looks and to mm-hmm. to mimic how that fabric looks. I'm trying to find one. Most Me too. I'm, what I was trying to go through is when, because also in the book, um, you have actual, like this is a good example. Yeah. 
this is the piece of the fabric right here. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a it's a photograph of the fabric, and then it's oh, printed yeah. onto to a, a fabric material. Uh -huh. But that's the fabric. That's what the fabric looks like. Um, that's woven into him. Mm -hmm. So you can see this, like you can see how that's very circular. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted this kind of, I want to mimic that as much as possible when I'm making these works. I have about seven different patterns that I'm working on and then they're all kind of intermixed, but it really, it, it's, it, it's really about once it's printed and you're laying the fabric over the, over the print to, you know, it could take me a couple of days before I even decide what I, how I want to cut it. Um, it's very, it's a very complicated, um, understanding because once it's cut, it can't be, it, there, it's, it's, you're, you're doing Admitted. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is no, there is no turning back, which is the beautiful thing of, of, um, of these works is that, uh, I, I rarely ever, um, turn back. Uh, I don't, I think there's maybe two that I was like, okay, this isn't working at all. And, um, but, but that's, that's how I want it to be. I want it to be spontaneous and, and, I have an idea of what the final product is, but then you never, you never know. Um, it's, it, it, you know, because every, nothing is measured. Everything is done by, by the eye. Um, when I'm cutting, I just have the, you know, the exacto in the, in the ruler and I just move that around and I can just eye it. Um, and it's the same with the cutting. So like when I'm looking at this one, my screen on the left with the yellows, yeah. like, I can see your pattern. I just couldn't understand how you could see that and make your material do the things you do. Like that's a very measured way of using that color. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it, I, it's just my crazy brain. I, 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 don't, I don't even know. I mean, it's just, I've done so many of these and I've been weaving for so long. I just kind of understand. Um, I just, wow. it, it just comes to me. It's not, it's not something that I don't like, I could do this in the computer and like plan things out, but it's just like, I, I, it, it, it there's no point to that. Like for me, wow. I don't, I don't ever want to plan too much on anything. It's, it's planning it is, would be a downfall for me. Um, mm -hmm. Well, it's really, yeah, it's against your process. I mean, you're, yeah. you're, you're really in it for your own tactile experience and, um, yeah. Yeah, um, I'm just amazed. I, I, I don't think I mentioned to you, but I actually have a degree from FIT in clothing okay. design. So I worked with fabric a lot and was intimidated by fabric because of what it did and didn't want to do. Yeah. Um, and, and frankly, sometimes how expensive fabrics were. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you, it's yeah. very expensive. It's not something... Uh, yeah. yeah. And cutting is like, you know, it's like, I don't know, painting seemed so much more forgiving yeah. <laughs> than fabric. No, um, it's not forgiving at all. Mm -mm. How did you go in? Oh, so here's a good example. Actually, I think that might, it is. It's the same page yes, I opened up to. Yeah. That gives but, you this. But this will be a really great way to explain also. So, so you see the, the kind of that middle one that's um, all by itself. Mm -hmm. That's laid upon the face. Uh, so you, if you look really close, you can see that. Sometimes you have to squint. Uh, yeah, it's, um, but in real life, you can actually see it's, um, you know, mm -hmm. that. But then those are all really conscious decisions on how the fabric is playing with, with the subject and making sure that that specific um, 
pattern is on the face or if there there's some word like it's giving them this like almost like makeup essentially mm-hmm. um it, it, it or a mask um yeah, it, it's it's all based around the face. A lot of the cutting is really started around the eyes and the face to understand how it's really going to look. I wondered, so do you start, that answers it, right? You start in here in this general and then you well, move out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cutting is really it, like, it's all focused around the eyes and then it's moved out. Um, I loved the reflection. I, I I was very much drawn to the eyes a lot because it, it, it I was trying to decide there whether it was in your photograph or not. Uh, some of the some uh, of the, yeah, some of them are. The, there's like a little bit of a because um, photographing these are really really difficult as well. I did all the photography for them. Um, but it was, it's, it's quite difficult because sometimes just the fa- just the photograph kind of pops out and you can see it here, like just, um, there's a reflection right on top of his, uh, like above his right eye, there's mm-hmm. a re- like a white reflection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the- this, is, this is a big one. This is a 60 by 90. Wow. So this is like, you know, it's the biggest I can make. Um, and there were only maybe 10 of these made just because they're the most complicated and they take a, a ton of time. And um, there's a, a ton of planning that has to go into something like this. Oh. Nothing, nothing is, yeah, they're very delicate. Well, and when you look at that and your repeated pattern, the, the circular op yeah. illusion you've got, I, I, yeah, that's, it's incredible. Have these traveled? Yeah. In terms of exhibition, have they been to Aswani? Oh, no, they probably never will. It's mm-hmm. like, it's too dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's way too dangerous. And then, and this is this detail. You can see that these extra strings that come off, that's a really, um, that was something that came about, you know, 40 weavings into it. I originally wanted them to not have these. And now it's it's critical for these to give it another, like, organic nature um, where these are actually popping off and they become these really hairy, uh, (laughs) hairy kind of, uh, you know, it just another sculptural. I I was reminded, um, there's another artist that Yosimilo showed. It's Yun Ji Sen. Yeah. He did rag face. Yeah, the rag face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very Uh similar, like kind of similar quality of, those were very like intense. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember seeing that show. It was, in, it was such an incredible show. And, um, and they were also, um, uh, the faces were on both front and back, which was yeah, yeah. really fascinating. I'm thinking that yours are as beautiful in a weird way on both sides as well. Like it'd be interesting if they hung where you could do yeah. a 360. Yeah, that would be, they have to, the unfortunate thing is that they have to be framed because they are so delicate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm worried about the longevity if it's not, um, if it's not in a, in a frame that, you know, they just start to, you know, you know, just, the fragile. Little, yeah, just the little movement of, you know, the, the paper gets, starts to get, you know, crunched and, um, so I would love to show them so you could see the back, but um, 
that's uh, a kind of an unfortunate thing. But I'm working on a new project that you'll be able to see both the front and the back, which is completely mm-hmm. different from this work. But mm-hmm. And then, um, so this is great. I, I was excited when I saw this in the PDF because it's fun to discover those pages in the book yeah. um, when they, they fold out like that. So tell us how you got to this iteration. Um, the actual work. Yeah, like you went to a different, yeah, so, something else here. So the, um, these smaller works are actual Polaroids, and they're, mm-hmm. they, these have not been seen yet. Uh, I've been working the last two years, uh, and there's 125, I think, of these mm-hmm. little tiny works. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was um, meeting with David Chickie, and thinking about how we were going to fund the book. And I was like, I have all these Polaroids that I haven't done anything with yet. Um, and the thing about the Polaroid was that I, it was the last photograph that I took of each person. So I would take, I would do the shoot with my camera and then it's like, okay, I'm going to take one more photograph so they could actually see a printed photograph of themselves. Mm -hmm. And then they would be laying at a shoot. They would be all laid out and then they could like, be like, look at me, look how much more fabulous that I, than I am of you. Um, (laughs) It was a, it was a really great like uh, way to have them bond. And because some of these people didn't even know who they were. So it was like kind of creating this community even more. And they're like, Oh, look at me and look at, you like this is like you look fabulous and um so it was and that kind of just like spurred into its own thing it was never a um it was I didn't I I just did it just because I want you know I wanted these Polaroids these kind of last moments that are so special um and then so then they sat in my studio they've been sitting in my studio for several uh several years and then I David Chickie was like um how are we going to fund the book? And I was like, well, I have these Polaroids. I could maybe do something with them. And then they became something completely different. Um, So now hopefully I'll have a show with Yossi of all of these. uh, I'm just going to hold up the spread because it's so impressive. (laughs) That's that's like, I don't even have all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so the fabric from, so each of these, it's the fabric um, is just stripped down to strings and then, uh, again, I'm working with the fabric to to kind of mimic whatever's in the fabric. So it's kind of just an extension of of uh, of of the pattern in the in the, the pattern in the fabric, mm-hmm. um, and it's all hand done. And then they're they're all lined, and then the faces again are woven over, uh, so you can just see the eyes. Um, and but I f- I find these to be just, just hold this up. Yeah, just as powerful mm-hmm. as. Um, as the larger works. Yeah, and it, I think, yeah. In that they're the last, they're the last record, record of, of that shoot, of, the, of that person. Well, and it's like treating every piece of the process with some of the same um, respect as well as um, intent, because you don't want these to identify a person yeah. Right out. Um, and then again, you're just, you're bringing that type, the interwovenness into these as well. Did you, did you print the Polaroid and then embroider or? Yeah. So, so the Polaroid was, it's just a, a Fuji Instax wide. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so it's not anything that's, it was, it, again, it was just a tool. It was just to like, yeah. 
show them a printed photograph. Yeah. Um, and uh, so then they had been sitting in a flat file and, uh, and then I started just, once we started working on the book, I, because uh, they weren't even originally going to be in the book. And, and so I just started, you know, messing around, experimenting, and then it just became, they, they got really complicated. And because they took, they take as just as long as the, 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 the woven works, because it, it's so detailed and, and, you know, just embroidery is not easy. <laughs> no, but also, I, so did you photograph the Polaroid or did you go through? Yeah, yeah. The... so then I photographed okay. the Polaroid. <laughs> I was going to say, Polaroid. that would be really hard. Yeah, then I photographed the Polaroid and, and it was like up into the last, you know, minute, like there was stuff being, we went on press in February and I was still like pushing to get stuff in like middle of January to get into the book. Like things were like, it was like, just like, cause I was like, oh, this one has really works with this. And so it was, it was up to the last minute that we were adding these, um, which was really, it was, it was very intense, but uh, I think it's a very important part of the project. It's, you know, they're two separate kind of things, but ultimately it's the same thing, just seen in a different way, in different scale. I was really curious myself, not knowing which came first. So that was a yeah, wonder. The woven, the woven works are the first. first. These are these have just been uh, within the last uh, year and a half, two years. I can't I can't remember when I started working on them, but uh, but they're finally, they're finally all finished, and now we're now I'm uh, doing an uh, like some pr they're printed and then hand embroidered again. These big large grid works. Um, which will hopefully be a part of the show that I'll have with Yossi um, mm -hmm. at some point. And I love how they're gridded and playing off of each other here. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, there's one work that is 125 um, that are all hand embroidered together, uh, that okay. they're the printed photograph. Um, and then there's, you know, a red one, there's a couple one. Um, there's, that's, yeah. That it's, really, trying to figure out how that show is going to come together but it's um it's it's I, the work just uh, for me is is really incredible actually that really uh touches me because it brings me back to the aids quilt yeah um i actually uh before i went to fit i have an msw and i was working in new york city during the aids crisis uh -huh. so not only did i have dear friends yeah. i had clients and uh, the AIDS quilt was truly um, therapeutic. Um, actually, yeah. uh, at just this is an aside, and I wasn't expecting to talk about it, but when one of my friends died, uh, he was a character and used to just, the two of us would be um, in vintage clothing stores and gallivanting and uh, having fun a lot around clothes and style. and. Right. Um, when I learned, I, uh, I ended up writing a poem when he passed. And then I had a, an, a, I was part of an AIDS fundraiser where we were, this was kind of cool. They gave denim, this was for DIFA, the uh -huh. Design Industry Foundation for AIDS. We were sent jean jackets. Uh -huh. to to do what we wanted with as designers and so I did mine for my friend Robin mm -hmm. and I turned a very a very regular Levi's denim blue jacket into a uh, 
tails. I dyed it black and I made it tails. And I actually made a scarf that I wrote my poem on, a silk scarf, and put that with my jacket. Because Robin, for his birthday, went in a balloon ride. And in my poem, I talked about a silk scarf for his balloon ride. So you're bringing me back to a lot of really how um, working in craft um, can can literally be therapeutic in this process that has so much, um, both there's loss and there's celebration. And that's yeah. what that's how I, I, I worked with it. Yeah, I mean, making, um, oh, can I, I, I just got this one framed and I just put it up and I can show you on the- uh. Great. It just arrived, um, uh, which it's, it's not, I, it doesn't have the best light on it, but you can the cover. Wow. You know. Wow. Yes. Just so you can see. So it's all, the, this, the edges are all stitched in um, to the backboard so they'll never move. Um, and like you can kind of see, this one's not very hairy. It just has a few little strands. Yep. Um, that is so beautiful. Yeah. I was going to ask about the framing in the sense, so you floated it. Yeah, it's, it's all um, hand woven or hand stitched and Lamont does all of the hand stitching. So mm -hmm. it's all hand stitched into the backboard so it doesn't move and mm -hmm. it's hinged and then each one has an optimum plexi um, that I'll show you another one. I have one more upstairs, which are both the covers. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that is that, that print is the cover of the book. Yeah. And then this is the. Wow. Inner one. And this was, this was literally, I think number 16. Mm -hmm. 60, it's a very early, early one. Mm -hmm. um, and he's a very important friend and he was a huge help to um, make the work happen. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why they're <laughs> each, both of the, the, one of the, the covers are um, very important people to the project and, mm -hmm. and, to, and to me. Um, so. Is it... No, that's not the right one. No. Um, no. Oh, no. you know what? I'm going not by plate. I was going by um, page. 74 is the page. Got it. Let's see, because I can hold that up. So, yeah, all those decisions. Um, do you want to say a little bit before we open up for questions about the making of the book? The making of the book was uh, a really incredible experience. Mm -hmm. um, um, I didn't really know, I didn't, I knew I didn't want it to just be a catalog, um, that it was just like a bunch of plates and the work is, you know, seeing the work in, in person is completely different than seeing it in, in a, in a digital form. Um, and when you're in front of it, there is this dance that they, people do, you go in, you look at the detail, you come back out, you're looking at it from afar, then you're going back in and you're seeing all the textures and text, like, Te the textures and um, mm -hmm. I really wanted that um, that again that dance so you know where you have these details um, that you're getting in deeper um, as you're moving throughout the book um, and then going to these smaller 
Polaroids, and again, the Polaroids were kind of a last um, minute add to it, but I knew, and I also knew that I wanted to have fabric, so that um, that fabric uh, was a huge, and also being able to feel the fabric, and there's all these different textures, and so then again, I wanted to have some voice for, for the, if you go back, um, mm-hmm. I was going to ask the quotes. Yeah, so, so all the quotes um, are handwritten letters from people that were in the project. And I just asked, I just asked um, you know, people that I worked with um, if they could have people write me, you know, what it's like to be gay. And, and so then we singled out specific quotes um, and to really kind of talk you know, this is their voice, this is them. And this is all printed on a very, very thin piece mm-hmm. of paper. So it's almost like you're and and the, it's not a dark black, it's a, it's a gray. So very, very light. Very light. So it's almost silencing. Yeah, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't it's, see. Yeah. It's, it's almost silencing them essentially, mm-hmm. which the, you know, which the country is doing. And um, so like there were so many decisions um, within uh, the book and David Chickie and, Megan and Montana uh, were all huge help. And because I'd just be like, the first day I went in there, like, so do you have any ideas? And I'm like, no. And, and so we like, it was, um, I didn't, I, I, it's like the last thing I had ever, you know, experienced, but, and it took, it took a full year, um, which usually um, is not the case. Um, but there was just specific things and the book just kept getting more and more complicated and, and um, as, as I wanted it to be, the work is complicated and, and just to have the book be a catalog would do such a disservice to, to the book or to the, to the work. Um, and also, uh, I mean, I feel like you've moved into a place where um, you're working with bookmakers and that's their craft and they yeah. want to take your concept and conceptualize it and and make it experiential. Yeah. Um, when when I saw the um, the quotes and and how faint a um, text it was it was so interesting because it's on this beautiful paper which is just like tissuey, and then um, the fact that it's all caps, yeah. but it's so faint mm-hmm. is also this other idea of this you know, this tension that you're always going between. And yeah. then my thought was that it was like a whisper, yeah. right? It's like just, and one of the ones that I pulled out was the one where the person talked about his faith and that he was an abomination, which was just so hard to hear. And um, I, I just will talk a second about um, Mikhail's book because this takes this, in the same uh, direction. He himself is African uh, and gay, Nigerian, Swedish, and, um, and those things could not be interwoven. He yeah. couldn't figure out a way like, oh, I am both those things. You're telling me I can't be African and gay. And I'm like, I'm proof I am. Mm-hmm. So we ended up going to 10 countries and doing a portrait project. Um, and uh, what's amazing is some of these people are actually looking for um, asylum in different countries. Um, and so again, being a consequential tool, this was so important for Mikhail as he was owning his own identity and saying like, yes, this is interwoven. I am interwoven, this is possible. And then all these people um, 
that he encountered and photographed and then they wrote and it became consequential for them, right? To have had that experience. And I just want to say two things about it to to say that um, it's 36 countries in Africa where um, being gay is illegal, uh, sometimes punishable by death. Uh, Zanela Maholi has done a great deal of her work in self-portraiture around it. Our girl, I got to meet her this year. It was like, oh my God, I couldn't believe I met her. She's been amazing in bringing forth that work. Yeah, um, she, she's, a, she's a superstar and, and everything that she does. So she, she's, she's an incredible uh, a human being for, for the LGBT community and everything that incredible. she does. So I, I bow down to her. She's, she's so incredible. So do I, so do I. And actually the um, uh, interesting thing that, that, that Mikhail brings to this story is that he did the research to find that in his native language, uh, like very early Nigerian, um, the writing system, it was, uh, there weren't binaries. Mm -hmm. And how the homosexuality and the issues around it really came with the colonialism and the religion and uh, is not native. to the continent uh, or to people. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, so, how it, that's how it was in Ghana. Like in Ghana, like um, it, was, it was celebrated um, mm-hmm. up until the end of the 1800s. And then with the entrance of colonialization in, in religion, like it was r- written into, you know, the constitution because of, because of religion. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna get into a religious con- conversation because yeah, yeah, I can go. I can. Uh, I can definitely speak a lot about. I mean, having worked with um, the religion in Swaziland and what they kind of were doing, it's it's just. Um, yeah, I don't. Well, I just, think <laughs> when when you mention the idea of cultural appropriation in your own. Um, thinking in a new way, looking at things together. I think that that's happening globally right now in an unchangeable way, like in the sense that once you see, you can't unsee, and that that's the hope in all of our challenges right now. Um, And so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for that. Um, we're almost to where I'd love to open it for questions. Deb, I don't know if anyone's written um, yes, we have uh, we have quite a quite we a have few. quite a few questions. Yes. Cool. So let's go to that. Okay. Um, I can unmute the person if they would like. Um, Sally, I think you had a question. Uh, yeah, I was <laughs> I had a number of questions. Um, and I think that now I've seen, you know, some of them, I was first asking about the scale and, um, you know, seeing them, the views of the gallery kind of helped that, but what you said one, they're like up to 60 inches is the tallest. Yeah. So, uh, 90 inches is the tallest, uh, it's a 60 by 90. Um, there's, there's essentially five, four sizes, five, five sizes. Uh, 24 by 36 is the smallest, and then a uh, 30 by 44, 36 by 54, 44 by 70, and then the 60 by 90 are the f- are five sizes, essentially. So um, 
So did you use the full piece? Well, I guess on the large one, especially you used a full piece of fabric. Yeah, it's uh, it's four meters or yeah, four meters of fabric is used to uh, create the 60 by 90s. And the thing about making the work is that that some pieces could have uh, two two versions of or each person might have two versions. Um, but the the big 60 by 90s, it's like once the fabric is done, they're, they're, I can't do it because it's really specific to the fabric that they were wearing. Um, and I don't want to, you know, go out and buy more fabric of that fabric just to, to make more yeah. work. It's, 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 it's really about having, they were wearing that fabric. So their DNA is in it, their sweat, their, you know, hair follicles. And there's something really important for me to to use that same fabric um and not deviate away of just buying more and so i can make more it's not it's not about that it's about mm -hmm. it's very very important that the that the woven work is is the stuff that they were wearing and so then the the each um so the fabric is unique to each um portrait it's yeah. never no yeah, it never, it, it never, yeah, it's what they were wearing. Um, and um, that's, there, there's, there's never one where I'm like, oh, they were wearing this and I could use this fabric. It just, it would not work at all. No, I was wondering if you got two pieces of the same fabric, you didn't repeat it though. No, 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 no. It's so every, every time I went, I bought four meters of each fabric. Um, so, you know, I could essentially make, you know, four of one person if it was uh -huh. a 24 by 36 or a, you know, but I tend to not make small work. Most of the works are 36 by 54 or larger just because they, when weaving, that pattern comes out more. Um, and it just, it works together where it's a one-to-one -one ratio in the 36-54. It's almost the same exact size. So when the fabric is being blended into the fabric that they're you know within the head like they almost become the same thing mm -hmm. um that's the 36 by 54 is kind of the perfect size um but i you know for the 60 by 90s i really wanted uh for my show at yossi was to like have these just overwhelming where you're yeah. looking look down uh by these beautiful men um mm -hmm. and just be overwhelmed um with scale great thanks you're welcome. Thank yeah. you. Anyone else who has a question, you can unmute yourself if you'd like. Um, how large are the photographs? Uh, well, so it's, it just depends. Um, the, in that size, uh, the 36 by 54 is a, a printed 36 54 image. Uh, they are a little bit bigger because the, the, the fabric does come off the sides. Uh, but it's whatever, uh, so 36 by 54 or 60 by 90 print, um, 44 by 70 print, just depends on the, the, you know, the size that I'm making. I was trying to understand, um, I couldn't tell if you were actually weaving the photograph itself into the fabric or you put the photograph on fabric and then wove the fabric. No, the, the, the photograph is printed um, mm -hmm. and then cut, and then uh, it's all cut in one direction, up and down vertically. Mm -hmm. And then the fabric is, is uh, woven from left to right. Um, it's, 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 so it's an actual printed photograph and then the fabric that they're wearing. 
I just want to say I'm overwhelmed by the beauty. <laughs> Thank you. These photographs. Thank it you so much. I know it's going to stick with me. Oh, great. The book, the book is incredible. It's a, it really, um, it, is. It, it really is uh, almost similar to seeing the work in person. It's, it, it's, 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 um, it's, a, it's an object on its own. It is. It's its own experience, actually. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Did you separate the strips of photograph or leave them sort of on top, attached together? And so when so so when it's cut, the the photograph is cut. There's a little uh, lip that at the top that it's not completely cut off. Mm -hmm. um, that if you can go uh, go to one, then you can kind of be able to see. Um, so if you see at the very top of this one, um, there it's cut to a very minuscule thing. So that's my mm. that's that's my stopper, and then everything is shuttled through. So if if everything was cut, it would be impossible to keep everything together. Yeah. So that was that that's a very key thing in in weaving that it has to have, uh, it has to be perfectly cut up to that stopper to to shuttle everything in and be tight. I found it impossible to pick a favorite. I went back and forth. It was pretty funny. This was in the running. Um, really. Yeah. They are so unique. I know. Beautiful. I have so many favorites. It's it, like, I mean, I, I, it's hard to pinpoint uh, specific favorites and, and it's, it's very sad when they leave my studio. Oh, um, especially, especially when I was making for the solo show, um, like my whole entire studio was covered in them. Mm -hmm. And then just like, just, just seeing them go is, is a, is a really tough, um, is really tough. Yeah. I mean, well, you're interwoven to them too. That's yeah. a lot of, of time and thinking and. And if, if you go back to the last one, this is, this, this is a very minuscule thing that you, most people would not pick up on. So you see how this size is, is, is small. So this dictates a 24 by 36. And if you go to the next one, it's a little bit bigger on the page. So this is a 36 by 54. So there's a, mm -hmm. there's a, change, in, there's a change in scale um, to um, show how big they actually are. Um, that is a very like tiny uh, you know, decision that David Chickie um, was like, I want this scale change where it's very minuscule and most people wouldn't really even, you know, notice, but um, it's, 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 I think it's a really great way of showing kind of scale that they get, you know, they are different sizes. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and these, and the Polaroids are actual, in, in the book are the actual size of the works. Did you strategize in advance or just instinctively think about the width of each strip in the strips vertical and horizontal and where there would be this optical effect yeah so that is uh it was when when the when the print is printed um it's sitting with the you know sitting with the, the printed photograph um with the fabric laying over it and if you go back to the last one so you can see this shape over his face 
So it's placing that shape. I knew that I wanted to have that shape completely over his face. And then it's, it's going from, that's the first decision. And then, uh-huh. um, and then again, it's mimicking this kind of organic nature, how there's these like kind of circular patterns within this, um, that is kind of mimicked within, within the cutting. But sometimes it, it, it'll take me a day, two days before I even cut anything because I, I'm more I'm, in my studio. I'm working on like three, four times, three or four at a time. I'm not now, not now. Uh, but when I was really deep in making, I was making multiple because there was decisions that um, they, they have to be sat on. It's not something that, you know, that I really want to just like jump and dive in. It's uh, that's one thing that is planned out in my head is that it's just seeing and, and taking off the fabric and, and kind of, you know, justifying why this specific pattern or this specific cut needs to happen um, to, to make, to meld everything together in a seamless way. They're just amazing. And the whole process of, of the project and everything that you talked through about how you did this, it's just, it's really, it's overwhelming and, and just fantastic. Thank you so much. Will it be coming to the West coast, the, the, sh- the show of, of the work? Um, so they're in uh i know that the hammer there's a piece in the hammer uh so, uh-huh. um and the hammer. Uh, okay great um i know that they have one work which is in the book i don't remember which one it is but um and yeah i mean it's there's still um most of these works are all sold um but i would love to i mean i i can make I can essentially right now within my inventory, I can make about 40 more works. Um, so I would love to have another show of, of, of these. Um, it's just, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, if you know a space that would like to do a show, I would love that. <laughs> Does, did the hammer um, acquire one? Yeah. Nice. So, in, 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 um, so the Orlando Museum of Art just acquired one. Um, what else am I in? Uh, Montclair University, Brown University has one. Um, uh, what else? Who else has one? I can't. I can't remember. There's a. There's about um, twenty five institutions that uh, I think have have the work. J P Morgan, uh, Microsoft has one, um, and yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's it's it's. And uh, Museum of Fine Arts Houston, um, uh, they are being gifted one. Um, and then there, I have a show in uh, Cleveland right now at the Transformer Station, which is a part of the Cleveland Museum of Art. Ah, um, so, I've been to the Transformer Station. That's great. I yeah, so they have, they have two, two works up. Um, so they're, they're getting into places, which I'm really excited about. And... Um, and um yeah well it speaks to the um you know basically you are part of the cultural evolution and the institutions are recognizing that uh which is really exciting yeah i mean it's um uh so the orlando museum of art has the second dairy version of this one um which is a completely different uh, photograph and different part of the pattern of, of fabric. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I want these to be in, in institutions. Um, it's a very, 
uh, important for me. It's important that these people are being seen and heard and, and um, that it's not done in vain. And, um, it's bringing awareness to, to what's going on in the country as much as possible. So. Interesting. In um, Mikhail's book, he has a um, essay by the photographer Zun Lee, mm. and his comment is the opposite of visibility is belonging. Yeah. And I love that for what, what it says about this. And I'm glad that the work has found a place to belong. Like yeah. it's an important place. Kyle, I don't know if you'll see what I wrote in the comments, but you know, we, there were no, Sorry, you're breaking up. Your, yeah, your sound isn't tell clear. Them how, how, oh, sorry. Can, is this any better? Yeah. Is it better? Yes. Well, a, a number of conservative senators from our country on our tax dollars went to African countries to tell them how to integrate anti-gay legislation in their yeah. countries. I'm very, I'm very uh, well informed, informed about that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, pathetic. it's pathetic. yeah, it's just me, uh, you know, yeah, if I was in front of those people, I would, well, I think you were very, very kind words are not kind words to say to yeah. them. I, there were, I feel like you were an unintended crusader in the best way. And that's how I would describe what I think the impact of your work will be. Oh, thank you so much. It's, it's, it, 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 again, this is, it, it's, um, I, I was never expecting to get to a place like this. Um, I mean, I was funding everything um, by myself um, up until, you know, two, two and a half years ago. Um, and it's just kind of exploded and, and it's been a very intense ride. And um, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get the word out there as much as I can and, and I, it's it's not the, again the the yes I'm making this work but it's about them it's not about me and I don't really care about that you know I just want the work to get out there as much as possible. Would, would I recognize the people if I saw them from the photographs? I mean, are they disguised? Um, some, some, some you it, probably could, but um, but is they're very vivid portraits. Uh, if, you know, yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that they have that, like, it's so funny. Sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, who's that again? <laughs> um, but like, when you take off the, the head wrap, it, it turns them into some, like, I, I have pictures of before and after of, of a lot of them, and you wouldn't be able to tell unless you were like, you know, a family member and um, you were, you know, had the, you know, the information in front of you. Um, but this information is really not getting there. I mean, I had a, a, a scathing article written about me in, in the Swazi Times about four years ago when I first started making the work. Um, but, and again, like they posted my friend Frankie who is very out and um, he was like, yeah, it was a bit nerve wracking, but at the same time it was like, I'm, I'm here and I'm queer. And it's like, it's, it's, uh, it, it's empowering them as much as possible. I have a couple of, I have two questions and first a comment. Yep. Um, one is to say that I'm just taking down a show that I have called Actually Seen and Heard. 
Okay. Are victims of sexual assault. So hi, honey. <laughs> I totally get what you're saying about the importance of this. Really, isn't about you. Yeah. And because you keep saying that over and over again, I just have to say I feel like crying at your <laughs> humility. I, uh, I just am completely at my computer knocked over by the fact that this work is brilliant and and you're just talking about it um, as if someone else made it because you're so excited to be a part of this incredible process getting this word out. Um, so my and so my question is, um, as a former weaver, I, I just am curious, where is your loom and how many looms do you have? Do you just have one and how many harnesses do, is the loom and where is it? Uh, it's so funny. I don't have a loom. This what? Is, Come on. I don't. I tell you, I, this is all done, uh, all done by, by hand. hand on a table that just so. Wait a second. I'm, You're using a frame loom to do this? Nothing. Not nothing. even. No, oh my it just, God. it's just cut and then. As I'm moving, it just goes down a table. So if, you look, if you look at my- You're just throwing shuttles through on the table? Yeah. Oh my God, why am I even bothering to make anything ever again? Yeah, I'm, How I'm, I'm, I'm gonna try and show you on my Instagram. Do you have videos of this? Of yeah. Your yeah, yeah so, so if you go onto Radius's, actually that's the best way of saying it. So if you go onto Radius's um, Instagram, there's a four and a half minute video talking about my practice and actually me weaving from, from printing. So you'll be able to see the printing, the cutting, the actual weaving. It's four and a half minutes. I mean, it, com it compacts about three days of weaving down into four and a half minutes. So Radius Books, not... Yes, mm -hmm. Radius Books on their so Instagram, on their Instagram yeah. video. Um, you can watch it through there. And I live in Cleveland, so I, I can see you at Transformer. I'm, I, well, I'm going to be there. Um, when? Uh, I'm uh, going home. Going home? Yeah, I live from Ohio. I'm from Ashland. No, I got that, but you lived in rural Ohio. That's not Cleveland. No, 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 I, uh, to Ashland. Oh, you live in Ashland? Oh, that's, that's originally where I'm from. So I'm going yeah. there. Um, no, I know it well. I had a show there once, and it's a... It's an interesting place. Yeah, so you're going, so when will you be in Cleveland? Um, so I'm coming back on the, let me look at my calendar. Uh, um, I'm coming back on the 10th and I'll be there to, for a week essentially. Um, so to see the show, but I also have to deal with some family issues. Um, and so I will be there from October 10th to the 17th. But they don't have an event I'm I, I'm dominating this. I don't want to. No, um, it's okay. I, you don't. There's no event at tra at Transformer. No, I'm just going to see the world. You're just showing up like I am. <laughs> That's what I meant about humble. Yeah. No, I just. Yeah. There, I mean, when I see like again, there's something to be seen. Like. Okay. Well, welcome back to Ohio, and we're, yeah, we're so, happy to have your work in in our city. Um, I'm trying to find have a, a hateful in, in, governor. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but I can see if you can see this, like that's yeah. So you can see that the photograph is just being pulled off the table, and then they're just being shuttled through. I I just went to Instagram, so the second this is over, I'm gonna find more about you. Great. We we have one um, 
video up, but that's more of the book on, on our web page. So, yeah. And we could link to um, one of the videos because I, I have some uh, and I'll look through to see if it's the same as the, um, the process one that you're talking about. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that, that's the best one. Like it really, it really explains everything to detail, like understanding the cutting. It's a bit hard to explain it without being shown, but um, it's a it's a really great video of of understanding the practice and how these are being made. You um, did make me think of something when you were uh, off of that last comment. I kept um, uh, a list of the opposing forces as I was thinking of interwoven and and metaphorically what you've been weaving together. And yeah. one one of them was conduit and collaboration because yes. you were both. Um, and someone just said this about their work last night, Manjari Sharma. Uh, she talked about turbulence and poetry. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really interesting piece. The idea of technology and craft, um, gender and belonging. And uh, ironically, at the name of the show, it's seen and unseen mm -hmm. was uh, the other one. Yeah. Wow. Deb, I can't read the chat so I don't know if there's any other information there or if there's anyone who has another question we have time for one more yes I think um, most people who have spoken who wrote in but if there's anyone else you can unmute yourself if you're not already unmuted are you work working on a new project or are you thinking about doing something with these techniques or are you going to work on a project and then find new techniques um so no but I, my my, no, my no. practice is pretty um uh, so i'm kind of moving on from this work and right now i'm covering structures with fabric and dyeing like large scale structures um so doing this kind of cyanotype with dyeing fabric and then taking a photograph of that that uh structure and then weaving it all together. Um, I'm about to finish a nine by 12 today, hopefully cross my fingers that it'll all come together. Um, and then I'm also starting an artist residency called Millhook um, that will bring together three artists for three weeks uh, to create for three weeks, a massive outdoor installation. Uh, we just did our first one over the weekend, which was called Unfamiliar Bubble, which was um, inflatable mirrored spheres. Um, there were 40 in total, uh, ranging from three feet as the smallest one, and then there was a 20-foot um, sphere. You can see that on my Instagram and also on the Millhook uh, residency um, Instagram page. So uh, my newest thing is, is uh, starting to become a curator for this residency that I'm trying to start. And um, yeah, it's my practice. Is, I'm, I'm just kind of right now in, in a, a weird shift of trying to figure out what I want to do. And I'm weaving all the time and making fabrics and dyeing. And, um, but the next project I'm hoping to do will be in Calcutta doing a whole project on the third gender. Um, that's, you know, that's kind of when I can start traveling again, that'll be the next one. And I'm also doing a project about um, long-term survivors of HIV um, that were, you know, contracted in 
the early nineties and before there was a medication and that are still alive. And so that's another portrait series that I'd like to do. Unfortunately, we're, I can't really work on any portraiture right now. So mm -hmm. I'm mainly, you know, doing landscape work and, and just, uh, uh, furthering experiment and dialogue and understanding weaving to a, in another level. Um, so yeah, that's kind of <laughs> what I'm doing. It's all, uh, that's great. That's, yeah. that's a lot. It's very vibrant. Yeah, so if, if my, my Instagram is the Kyle Meyer and then the Millhook residency is just Millhook, um, you can see about my practice. Um, if, you, if anyone on here wants to contact me, that's the best way, just message me and I will, I will respond. Great, thank you. I was thank gonna you for ask, sharing all this. Mm, I was gonna ask if you wanted to talk about the unfamiliar bubble. It looked amazing. I got on one of your Instagram lives and I was oh, having yeah. so much fun. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was it was a whirlwind of an experience um, because there was only about uh, five of us, and the installation took uh, seven days to create, um, and it was only up for a day. Uh, I was really interested in the ephemeral nature of of, of that work, and um, that it was just like here and it disappears. And um, but it was it was uh, it, it spanned throughout uh, about ten acres of the property, um, and it was um, yeah it was a really it was a really crazy experience. I'm still kind of on a high from it. Um, just uh, it was it was beautiful, and um, uh, yeah. So you can see video um, and photographs. I've got to work on the photographs that I took and make another video, but. Um, but I'm excited to, to see what's next for Millhook. Um, um, I have some people in mind that I, I really want to bring in and, um, and get it going. Um, but again, the whole Millhook thing is about a collaboration with multiple artists and, and doing something that you're not really knowing what you're going to do. And again, this idea of, of play and, and not having an agenda and just letting time happen. Uh, but it'll be a three weeks and then they will, they'll have three weeks and then an, a week installation. And then it'll be up for, you know, say another week or two weeks, but everything will be very short and quick. And, um, and uh, yeah. So how, how many a year would you entertain? Uh, as many as I, I can, you know. Really? Um, yeah, I mean, the, I'm renting the property out six months out of the year to pay for the, pay for the, um, you know, pay for the property. Um, I'm looking to turn it into a 501c and find funding. Um, but I mean, it's, I, I need to pay, to pay the mortgage. <laughs> and uh, so six months out of the year, it'll be rented out. And then hopefully the other six months. Uh, so there'll okay. be essentially six installations. Um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, so that's six. And the, the major thing is that they're taking over the whole entire property and, and making a whole outdoor installation and um, that it's not just, you know, focused on, you know, within a studio, it's within a, a massive amount of space. And how can you, how can three people from three different, you know, a visual artist and, you know, maybe a set designer and a sound designer or a writer, um, oh, can I just talk about this one piece right here? So that's an actual like uh, like piece of of newsprint that is that is on the street um, that like they're like kind of the headline. So when you're driving around, they're all over the place. And so this is the kind of stuff that they put on the street. This was the only one that I was able to steal. 
Um, but yeah, it's um, the the LGBTQ hate within uh, Swaziland or Eswatini is just <laughs> ridiculous. So wow, wow, yeah. Well, um, that's like 2018. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and I, again, the fact that that got put in the book is a really yeah. I want. I wanted. Thoughtful. Yeah, I really wanted that. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, it was really important. Again, this ephemera or this like the ephemera of of like this is an actual historical piece of evidence that it's not like I'm just saying this stuff, but this is a this is evidence mm -hmm. of um, which is important important for the book. I wish I had more. Um, but unfortunately, they're, they're very hard to steal. Mm -hmm. I did not steal it. But, no, I'm just kidding. No, it is. It's hard. Um, uh, I, I know that the um, last time I was uh, in Paris um, last year, there was a lot of graffiti that was painted on about femicide. And there was actions going on about uh, that. So... Um, that's more permanent, right? That you just get it out there and spray it on the wall. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had one other thing just as we close, but I thought of another book that's, that I don't know if you know of. Um, let me see if I'm going to just grab it. Hold on. I'm just looking through the comments. Thank you everyone for your kind words. terms of work that people are doing on this subject in different countries. Um, this is uh, Fatherland. Yeah. And um, this is jointly together with Andrew Mrazek and Juan Jose Barboza Gubo. Um, and together as a uh, um, couple, this is um, looking at places around the country, this is all Peru, where there is um, people's, people were killed for mm -hmm. their homosexuality and they went back and oh, photographed. Oh my God, this is, can you, what's the, I just want to make a note. Um, what's the name of the photographer again? Uh, Andrew. Mrozak and his partner, Juan Jose Barboza Gubo. Can you see that? Uh, and I can put the link in, whoop. Yeah, well you put in the link. How do you yeah. spell Andrew, Andrew's last name? M-R-O-C-Z-E-K. Um, and this book just came out last, uh, in 2019 and uh, again, layered with information and different uh, historical aspects and very investigative, um, uncovering stories and then honoring the person and photographing the place. Yeah, it's very powerful work. Yeah, that's we'll put the with, link in. With, with this new body of work where I'm dying structures, that's where I'd really like to focus is, is finding places where LGBTQ have been murdered or, you know, 
have committed suicide and going in there and covering the space and kind of making it this memorial of, of, uh, of, you know, for these people. And it's not about, you know, not seeing the person, but seeing that, that very intense space um, and these being like larger than life. So mm -hmm. that's actually um, Zanela Maholi, who we had mentioned before, began by photographing. She talks about um, using the camera as a weapon yeah. in the sense that she wanted to photograph um, that was happening for lesbians being killed and, and it would be funerals. And she said, I want to document this because this is a document. And yeah. I will, I'll put the link in as well. Her show was here at Harvard at the Cooper Gallery and had to be closed during sheltering. Uh, so it didn't have its full run, but it traveled far. And you can go on the website at Harvard and uh, see a virtual yeah, uh, experience amazing. of it. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, she's always working. Yeah, and actually, they had a they had a symposium, and that's what I was able to attend, and it was it was absolutely incredible, really an amazing experience. Yeah. So, Kyle, thank you so much. Or thank you so much for having me. It's uh, you're. I mean, this is the. Well, I had a 10 by 10 books uh, talk, but I only had like 10 minutes to talk about it, which is really not. So this has been oh, really gosh. lovely to unpack everything. And, and uh, so thank you for, for having me and everyone that's attended. It really means a lot. Yeah, this is great. Well, to be continued, I can't wait to, uh, to see what comes next. Great. There's lots more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care. Thank you so much. Thank and thank you, you everybody. For, for joining us. Okay, take care. Bye.